podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting-edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am Master Life Coach and Mindfulness Expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Hello, my pleasure seekers. So happy to be with you here today. How's everyone doing? I hope you're feeling well, tantalized, turned on, having a fabulous week. I wanted to remind you all, for those of you that haven't listened to maybe the last one or two episodes, to I'm going to do my first Q&A, listener Q&A here on the podcast. And I really want to hear from you all your burning questions, <laughs> whether that is sexual mindset questions, pleasure questions, pleasure uh, partner questions, um, sex questions that are afraid to ask anyone else, questions that you automatically make you red in the cheeks and you're like, this is TMI. Ask them. Okay. This is a safe place for you to get answers to the burning questions that you have. And I'm so excited for this episode. I've gotten a few juicy questions in already and can't wait to see what else we've got. So send all of your questions to team at daniellesavory.com. These questions will all be anonymous. Um, If you would like to let me know if you identify as a woman or a man, that might be helpful for me answering this question for you and also helpful for the audience to understand why I am answering the question the way that I am. So any, you know, as much information as you want to share with me personally, just know that it's kept very safe. It's kept confidential. It will just be used for me to help answer your question to the best of my ability, any of those details that you share. And I will not share any details that seem like maybe they would reveal your identity in some way on the podcast. So like I said, I will keep all those identifying type details left out and will answer the question. Okay, so I am super excited about that episode coming up and I'm excited about today's episode, which is talking about feeling alone in your struggle. Now, I have myself felt very alone in multiple times of my life, right? For multiple different reasons. And all of the clients that come to me also feel very isolated and alone talking to somebody about their experience with their sex life and what's going on perhaps with their body or with their partner. And I thought this isn't like a topic that seems very apparent that needs to be addressed, but it comes up a lot. And I want to walk you through step by step exactly how you can begin to feel some relief from feeling alone and why feeling alone, which because we know how we feel, right, is based on what we're thinking, the thoughts that you're having that are creating this feeling alone, I'm putting those in air quotes, even though you can't see them, (laughs) is really adding to your suffering and it's not helping you move forward in creating what you want. So for me and kind of my own experience, like I said, I've had a lot of 
experiences in my life or circumstances in my life that I felt really isolated and alone. Like when I was bedridden for nearly two years and didn't get to spend most of my waking hours out of bed, that like circumstantially was very isolating and feeling alone, right? Like I felt alone at home. I felt, but beyond just like feeling alone at home, I felt isolated in my experience. I was in my twenties. My friends were following their dreams, you know, going to school, being educated, like, you know, chasing after what they wanted, running marathons, having babies, like all of these sorts of things. And I was like, nobody gets this. Like, it must be so nice for them. Of course, they can be happy in their life. They get to use their body and do all of the things. I remember another time specifically that I felt very alone. And this really comes up. This is one of those recurring kind of things that makes me feel very isolated and alone is the thoughts in my head. Like I look at my thoughts that I have because I do a lot of my own self-coaching. I have a coach. You know, this part is a huge part of my life is coaching myself, getting coached, doing thought downloads, continuously increasing my awareness of what's going on in my brain. Because until we know the type of thoughts that we're thinking, then what we're feeling you know, seems completely out of our control. So we have to pay attention and continue to increase our awareness around how what we're thinking is creating us to feel certain ways. And then when we notice how we're feeling in our body, how do we show up in the world? How do we behave? How do we interact with people around us? All of those create the results that we want. So when I look on the piece of paper, or as I hear myself speaking out loud to my coach, or one of my friends, or a lot of times I go on a walk and I just talk out loud, I know it's kind of crazy, but I really like to just like talk it out. <laughs> and I don't always want to talk everything out to a person. So I pretend I'm talking to people on my ear pods, but really I'm just talking to myself. Anyway, <laughs> back to the the thoughts in my head. Sometimes when I see these out on paper, I'm like, oh my God, there can't be anybody else who has thoughts like this. There can't be anybody else out there who is as an asshole to themselves as I am to myself. I remember this a lot, like getting into, um, I'm in a business mastermind and I have been in a business mastermind for the last over two years. I'm also in a group coaching program through my mastermind and business coaching and that sort of thing. And I remember going in and hearing other people talk and being like, oh my God, I'm not alone. <laughs> These ladies have just as crazy and insecure and fearful and doubtful thoughts as me. I also remember just feeling so alone when I was a new mom and I wasn't really loving every minute of it. I wasn't really enjoying all of it. I was feeling actually very isolated, circumstantially isolated because I'm at home with young kids. And if you know that of you know having a newborn and the nap schedules and the breastfeeding or any kind of feeding schedule, all of that, right? you feel kind of by yourself all of the time. But also I felt by myself because I didn't love it. I felt like everything that I had seen out in the world was like, oh, it's so great and soak up every minute and do all these things. And so I didn't have a lot of those thoughts. I didn't really feel like I wanted to soak up every minute. I wanted to fast forward where I actually could get some sleep, where I could play with my kids, where they would love arts and crafts instead of 
you know, <laughs> some blocks or something that I was not stoked about. And so feeling alone that like, I'm the one that's supposed to really love this and I don't really love this, there must be something wrong with me. I remember feeling really alone when all of the sudden I had always identified as somebody that had a high sexual desire and I had like no desire. I didn't want to be touched. I didn't feel sexy. I felt completely disconnected from my body. I felt like my body was the enemy. And I remember thinking, nobody else has felt this. Everybody else just loves to have sex all the time. They want it all of the time. They have so much desire. They don't dread it. They don't want to make up an excuse when their partner initiates. I must be the only one. And I think that a lot of you can relate to this. You know, number one, let's just state the obvious. Sex is not something that we talk about. We barely even talk about it with our OB or our midwife or our trusted doctor who is kind of a sex doctor. I guess the closest thing we could say to being a sex doctor. We feel awkward and oftentimes embarrassed to talk about it with our partner because there's a lot of things that we don't want to share because we're afraid of how that might be interpreted or what they might think or feel about the thing that we want to share. We're afraid that they might have a negative reaction to what we're experiencing because we don't really know how to explain it and we don't want to hurt their feelings. We don't really talk about it with our friends. I mean, a lot of women that I talk to, they do talk a little bit about sex with their friends, but not the kind of questions or the details that we really want to be talking to them. We just might hear them kind of on the surface level laughing about, you know, how their husband is always into it or how I can't believe, you know, I used to when I was young, I was so much more into it, but now it's like, ah, just leave me alone, right? You might hear about that a little bit, but you never hear conversations about, I've never had an orgasm or I'm not really feeling attracted to my partner at all. Or I actually want it way more than my partner. I want it way more than my husband. I haven't been enjoying sex for a long time. These are the kind of things that my clients share with me and they're so nervous. Their voice is shaking because they feel like they're the only ones. We usually feel like when we're alone is when we have an assumption about what normal is. <laughs> it's like what we've decided, right, is normal for whatever reason. So a lot of women that I have been a part like socialized with or in groups, the normal is like, oh, can you just give it a rest already? I don't really want any. And <laughs> it's like, I don't want to say it's... um husband bashing, but I remember hanging out with this group of women. By the way, I do not hang out with them anymore because of this. And I just don't have, I don't want to be around people that bash their husbands all the time. Anyway, and they were just talking negatively about their husbands and how they wanted it and they never wanted it and they just leaving it alone and da, 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 da. And it became like this normal where I remember thinking in my head of like, feeling alone, like I really love my husband and I actually want to have sex with him, <laughs> like and feeling alone for a positive thing, right? So in that case, it really worked for my favor. But we usually take like what our assumption of a standard is, what we have decided is kind of the normal. 
And then we have feel alone because we're not. We also feel very isolated in our experiences, especially experiences that have created pain or suffering. So if you have lost a loved one, this is one that we hear all of the time of how lonely grief is. I remember going through my first miscarriage and then my second miscarriage. And this was before we had this beautiful community online and through social media where people are very honestly and raw talking about their pain and their grief. That would have been so helpful for me at the time because I didn't know anybody who was going through what I was going through. I didn't know anybody I could really, really talk to. And it was hard and I felt alone. And I developed the story about how nobody really understood what I was going through. I kind of put myself onto this grief island. We feel alone in a lot of other circumstances that we might be struggling with. Women that I've talked to who have gone through cancer are currently in cancer treatment, recovering from cancer, any of these kind of things, and how their body has changed, how their hormones have changed, how they don't feel like they can, you know, like sex is very painful because the lubrication issue, because of the hormonal changes or the medications they're on and all of these sort of things that they're facing because of this illness. And they feel very alone. And they're like, yeah, but you know what? Like, you don't get it because you're not going through cancer. You don't understand because you have not experienced what I've experienced. You don't know how hard this is. You don't know how this feels. And this is the thing. When we're feeling alone with these kind of circumstances, it's true. Most people in the world haven't been through our exact circumstance. They haven't been through perhaps the type of grief that we've been through, the type of illness that we've been through, the type of treatment that we've been through. And we perpetuate this story in our head that we are alone and that we don't get it. But what happens when we feel alone like this, when we've isolated ourselves, especially with our circumstances that have created a lot of suffering and a lot of pain, is you've completely othered yourself. Your circumstance, I like to refer to this as like the curse of, you know, the snowflake or the curse of the, you know, lone unicorn. We all believe that we're special unicorns in our circumstances or in our struggles or in our challenges or, you know, a trauma that we experienced when we were a child or growing up. And I am not saying that we're diminishing your experience at all. The pain that you're feeling is completely valid. The struggle you're feeling makes 1,000% sense. Of course you're feeling this way. But what happens when we feel alone, when we've taken it to that level of nobody else gets it, they don't understand, it might be easier for them because they've never gone through this. They don't have to use a dilator on their vagina to help themselves, you know, relax. They haven't had to use hormonal therapy. They don't have to use lube every time. They aren't being woken up in the middle of the night by a fussy baby that can never sleep more than 90 minutes in a row. They don't have a partner who never looks at them. They don't have a partner who wants to connect with them emotionally. They have had orgasms before. Of course, it's easier for them to believe they've had orgasms, but I, I've never had that. 
So what happens when we feel all alone is we're taking a circumstance that pretty much I think most of us can agree doesn't feel good to begin with, and we're adding on another layer of suffering by feeling alone in our pain, by feeling alone in our grief. And the reason that this is problematic is because it makes what others have achieved impossible for us. We've taken ourselves out of the race of being able to create the kind of desire that we want, the kind of passion that we want, the kind of love we have for our body. We take it out of our realm of possibility to create the kind of pleasure turned on woman, delicious, yummy, juicy experience we all want. We take that out of our realm of being capable and possible for us to have because of this thing. When you feel completely alone in your situation, in your experience, in your historical past, in your trauma, in all of these things, when you have decided that I am different from everybody else because of this, that's when we make it harder for us to actually create the result that we want to become that turned on woman. We make it harder to become her. We make it harder to have that amazing, mind-blowing sex that we want. We have been spoon-fed our entire lives the importance of honoring our uniqueness and being special in the world. And I think in a lot of like regards, this is really important. You want to feel like you have something different to say, that people have to hear it from you and your message is unique because it is from your unique perspective. That's important. We want to feel unique perhaps in our style or the way that we speak or the way that we're even raising our children or something like that. But when it comes to our suffering, Feeling like you're different in a way that harms you and what your desired result is, is not useful because it gets us stuck in, and it's very subtle, in a victim mentality. I can't have what I want because of this, because of this difference that I'm experiencing, because of my historical past, because of my partner, because of what my body is going through or what it has gone through. And when we do this, we deny ourselves permission to be fully human. And we rob ourselves of capability We rob ourselves of the power to actually create the change that you want. We forget that whatever we went through, whether it's a horrible death in your family, whether it's an illness that has wreaked havoc on your body when you got really, really close to death and then you made it out, but you had to go through some really shitty drugs and really shitty surgery, and now you have scars to show it. When we are alone with our children, when we have a partner who isn't showing up how we want, we forget that, guess what? This is part of life. This is part of the humaning experience. The first step in just helping us see that we're not alone is, yes, maybe somebody hasn't been through 
the exact circumstance that you have, the exact illness that you have, the exact struggle or challenge or whatever you faced. Of course not, because nobody else is going around facing the exact same thing that you faced in your life. That, I mean, maybe in another dimension, but in this dimension, that's not happening, right? But you know what people have felt? Grief. You know what they have felt? Alone, frustrated, angry, resentful, all of these emotions that you're feeling because of the way that you're thinking about your experience, other people have felt too. Now, I know this might be a little jarring to hear. I remember going through my health issues and really kind of wrapping my head around this. And I remember just kind of this wall going up as I was at this training about self-compassion. I just remember this wall going up and like, yeah, but like my brain wanted to argue, yeah, but you don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand what I have faced because we begin to identify with our struggles and our challenges, right? We begin to identify with our suffering. So to acknowledge that other humans feel suffering just like you, sometimes at the beginning, you're going to feel that resentment because it feels like you're letting go of an identity because we've identified with this part of us, this quote unquote broken part of us, or this part that needed healing, or this part that was hard, more than we've identified with the other parts of us. So you might notice that at the beginning. You might even notice it now hearing my voice and you're like, yeah, but Danielle, that's easy for you to say, insert X, Y, Z. But this is where I really, with the most loving voice that I can, picture my arms just wrapping around you in so much love and compassion. This is a key to your freedom. Because what happens when we start feeling alone in our suffering, we are allowed to give ourselves compassion. It lets you have your own back. It lets your shoulders fall away from your ears. And it just, you'll feel this wave of like, oh, I'm not alone. Because what we're doing is we're removing a layer of suffering and we're getting down to what the actual pain is, the clean pain. I've spoke about clean pain versus dirty pain before on this podcast, but just a brief explanation of it. Clean pain is what we experience, and this is described in Western psychology basically, is that initial part of like the inevitability of being a human on the planet that you're going to suffer from. And dirty pain is what we make, what we're going through mean. It's when we start putting meaning behind it, when we start adding to it. So let me give you an example, okay? Let's go with going through health issues as an example, okay? So the clean pain in this is the actual feelings (laughs) that come up of going through illness, right? So it's the actual physical suffering. It's the harshness that your body is going through. It's the resilience that you have to create to be able to recover. It's possibly a surgery that you went through. It is the grief of seeing your body for the first time and saying goodbye to your breasts. Okay? That grief, clean pain. That is what clean pain is. The dirty pain 
that gets added on top of that is I'm never going to feel sexy in this body again. Nobody's ever going to want me. Nobody understands what it's like really going through this. It's so much easier for other women to feel sexy and beautiful versus me. Okay, regardless of whether any of those statements are true or not, it's those statements that make you feel alone in your experience and they add to the suffering when really the clean pain is what we want to come back to and feel. Just the raw grief of what you've gone through, of the health that you've let go, of the body that has changed. We can feel sad. We can feel angry. We can feel all of the different layers and colors of grief. But it's when we get the dirty pain that creates this ongoing suffering and it makes it harder, if not impossible, for you to fall in love with your body. So let's say that your goal is to feel sexy. When you're thinking it must be easier to feel sexy if only I looked like that, you have othered yourself. You have made it less possible for you to feel like this in your body because of your differences. That's what I'm talking about. Now, when we learn how to really approach ourselves, you know, with this compassion, with giving ourselves room to feel the feels and feel that clean pain emotion, then you can open yourself up to encouraging like, oh, this moment is hard. This happens to other humans too. Just like me, they feel grief. I know other women who have gone through this health crisis have also felt like this. But I also know it's possible for me to fall in love with this body too. Or it's possible for me to feel connected with my partner. Or it's possible for me to feel pleasured. When we take ourselves out of I'm not alone, even if it's just you saying I am part of the human experience, this is part of being part of life, you have begun to get closer and closer to just handling and holding that clean pain with so much love and emotion that you're able to move through and create the change that you actually want. So feeling not alone, feeling not isolated, it might be this nuanced thing that we're barely even paying attention to, but it's so important as you continue your journey on becoming a turned on woman from feeling like passionately connected and intimate and juicy sexual connection, it is of huge importance. Because when we feel alone, we've othered ourselves. And when we other ourselves in a way that is not serving our ultimate goal, that is when we have taken ourselves again out of the running of what is possible for us. When you hear me share all these celebrations of other women who have fallen in love with themselves or all of a sudden really enjoy their partner and they're now the higher sex drive partner and now they're initiating where before they didn't want anything to do with it. When you hear me talking about a self-love affair and you think to yourself, yeah, but that might be possible for her, 
but it's not possible for me, insert reason, or I'm so busy. Like this is another one. Like I've used some extreme examples here on the podcast, but I also want you to think of other ways that we feel alone. Like I have so much more on my plate. I'm so busy. I'm a mom and she's not. I've been in this relationship for 25 years, so we have a lot more baggage to work through. And that must be way easier for you because you're in your first year of marriage. We use all of these excuses, and I'm saying that with so much love to keep us from believing that what we want is actually possible. We have isolated ourselves in an experience. And what I want to encourage you all to do is not to dismiss your experience, not to deny what you're going through, but don't make yourself be alone on an island because of it. This is the exact moment when you want to remind yourself of your common shared experience of being a human being on this planet during these current times in this life, in the body that you live in, in the skin that you're in. That is the opportunity here. It's not dismissive. It's not saying that what you're going through isn't important, but it's keeping it so that you can let the emotions move through you, but they are not robbing you of the capability of creating the life that you want, the experiences that you want, then the pleasure that you deserve. So this week, I really want to offer you this question, where might I feel alone? And what might it look like to just become a little vulnerable in seeing how I am not actually alone? Because, and I say that it's vulnerable because when we admit that we're not alone, that we're, you're not, you know, this on this like a snowflake or this unique special unicorn then we have to face that what we want is really possible. And that's scary. That, oh my gosh, this is possible for me. I can become a pleasure woman. I can become turned on. I think that I'm all alone because I'm weird or awkward. Or I think I'm all alone because I'm single right now. Or I think I'm all alone because I went through cancer last year. Or I think I'm all alone because I'm in menopause right now. Or I have a partner who is not attentive as I want. Or I have really young children. Or I'm super busy. Or I'm building a business. Insert whatever it is your reason is. And I want you to see how you've isolated yourself and be like, oh, Just like me, other people have had very full lives and they were able to experience pleasure. Guess what? It is possible for me too. Because whoever is out there listening right now, I want you to truly believe it. It is possible for you. And the first step is joining yourself in this collective of it is possible for you and you too also have a body that is wired to experience ecstatic pleasure. And I can totally show you how to do that. So first start with acknowledging this. Pay attention. Where are you othering yourself? Where are you not giving yourself permission to believe? How have you decided that you are different and because you're different, what you want isn't possible? I see this happen all the time in Better Sex in 90 Days. We can continue to offer, you can just tell yourself you're not alone, but when you're in a group experience and you actually hear other women sharing the exact same thoughts and feelings that you have too, that is a face-to-face experience of not feeling alone. 
That is one of the quickest ways for you to really believe that you are not alone. This is why, you know, people find so much success in group therapy or groups like AA or support groups or, you know, even just like moms getting together and talking is because you hear other people share the internal experience you've had outside. That is what we do in Better Sex in 90 Days. And it's one of the most powerful parts of the group experience is being able to hear that other people have struggled to orgasm or other people don't really want to connect with their partner and they feel like they should, right? That they don't have time, that they feel so busy and everything else that it doesn't really feel that important. So yes, spend time believing it, working on the thought, I am not alone. And if you want the fast track to do that, join us in Better Sex in 90 Days. We will definitely (laughs) go through a lot of not feeling alone because of just the sheer experience of being part of a group. You will hear stories similar to yours. You will hear feelings and thoughts and worries and doubts and insecurities and frustrations just like yours. But remember, everyone listening, you are not alone. As always, it's been my absolute pleasure to share with you this podcast, and I hope that you can begin to see this thought that you are not alone. Sending you all so much love. Have a wonderful week.